Hey, 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 beings. You are listening to the self Podcast. I am your host, Danny, your self-investment storyteller. Today's episode features a special guest who will be a valuable participant in our Being to Being Self-Tivity segments. The Being to Being segments are a fun way to connect with beings who are open-minded, enjoys thought-provoking questions, and perspective-shifting concepts. I also invite entrepreneurs and business owners who have a thought, product, or service that contributes to our self-investment journey in the areas of personal growth, mindset, well-being, entrepreneurship, and or financial empowerment. Guests will participate in our Being to Being activities bi-weekly, so be sure to follow so you don't miss out on all the fun. Let's find out who's on today and what self activity experience they will present to us. Are you ready? I am. Today, we are just going to have a free-flowing conversation on the topic of learning to love. And I have a special guest. I have Harmon back on the show because we're going to dig into some of her experiences with narcissism or dealing with narcissism. So Harmon, I'm going to give you the floor right now just to introduce yourself. Say hello to everyone before we get into today's topic. Hi, peace, love, and light. I'm coming here to enjoy a lovely conversation. We are going to talk about the different levels of learning to love. And what does that mean? When you're learning to love, what mantra should you attach to yourself? Because are you looking for self-love? Are you looking for love and adventure? Are you looking for a significant other? Soulmates, twin flames. When learning to love, what are you looking for? I have a question for you. Have you ever watched that show on own network called Ready to Love? Is that the Oprah Winfrey network? Yeah. Girl, you know Oprah Winfrey is a baller and I love all of her shows. But I actually haven't watched it. I've been more in her book club recently. Oh, really? The reason why I have that question is because Ready to Love is the dating show where mm-hmm. the people in their 30s or whatever, you know, tailored to people with skin like ours they are trying to get to the finale while also finding someone on the show that could be their potential mate and everything and it's interesting because as they're going through the show it's a fast-paced show six months i'm not really sure but Mm -hmm. you're trying to go through all the eligible bachelors and bachelorettes or whatever to get to know them faster and things like that and what's interesting is it's like a game it's like a game mentality but you're also trying to be serious because you really want to be with somebody the reason why i brought it up is because the concept of the game is that you're trying to play to win and i think when we think about learning to love is that we want to play this game to win but when we play this game we want to be intentional about the game like i feel like Learning to love should be fun. Learning to love should be intentional, but it shouldn't be. Girl, the game show love situation, I'm going to tell you the truth. That started with flavor of love. Flavor, flavor, flavor of love. Oh my goodness, I watched that Yes, (laughs) when it was time, when it was time for people of our skin color to get on the TV and express our adoration, love, and respect, people were hypnotized. They were like, I didn't know POC. POCSs could really express love. I thought it was all 
baked chicken and cook that man that plate, girl. But really, when it comes down to it, if your finance is not there, if your emotions not there, if your stability not there, if your head not there, and if your sex not there, I'm not there. Go ahead and to the left, to the left, because it is a game. It is a game. Everybody is a competitor. And Mm. that's where people find themselves in these relationships where they're competing against people who are not of the same stature as them. Me, I'm almost 30. I ain't gonna say I'm 30 yet, but I'm knocking on that dirty 30. I can't compete with a 19-year-old. I can't compete with a 19-year-old. I can't. I got bills. I got mortgage. I got car payments. I got pet. I got everything but a little bitty youngin'. Everything Mm. but a little bitty youngin'. And I'm competing with a 19-year-old who has nothing but the ability to make a youngin'. I know now, after dating my first narcissist, Mm -hmm. I know now this game is way more tricky. It is way more tricky than people advertise on the game shows. Because on the game shows, it's easy. The whole production is set to make you fall in love with that one main star. He gets all the glory. She gets all the glory. He gets all the oopty woopties, you know, the <laughs> she gets all of the cash. It's easy. It ain't that easy when he already got five kids living in his mama basement. Come on. <laughs> it ain't that easy. It ain't that easy when he been working at KFC for 25 years and he's just a fracker. See, that's interesting. So when you talk about, so there's different age brackets and then there's different data sets where it comes to what you should even be looking at. This is in your wheelhouse. Can you apply mindfulness? and manifestation and all those concepts to the dating game, learning to love so that you can compete. I mean, I don't even want to compete. I don't I don't feel like love should be, I don't know, love is so weird. But as far as having a mate or discovering who your mate is or learning to love, I think that it should be something that feels organic and authentic. And it I think you said it correctly, though, because you said having a mate. Or a mate is someone that you want to learn to love. When you're mating with someone, you're more in a primal mindset. You're more in an individual caring for an individual mindset. And that is a beginning of a beautiful, natural relationship. That's the beginning of coming together and becoming one. Because I can't mate with somebody who has multiple boyfriend and girlfriends or how they like to say that's my play boyfriend that's my play brother that's my play sister if you got play brothers and you got play sisters you cannot be a mate of mine because i am a female i am all primal energy when i sit down to manifest what i want i go directly to the source because that is what's inside of me that is what i'm giving that is what i want given to me it's that primal instinct that makes you go ahead and announce your alpha you're like, that's my man. That's my, that's my husband. That's my fiance, you know? And if you're engaged with someone and they're not accepting of those titles, go ahead to the left, to the left, because manifestation is real. If you're manifesting your mate, then you're manifesting someone who is engaged with you intellectually also. And I coined this new term for them crystal boys or crystal men. Crystal men is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a crystal man, a man who does not (laughs) mind wearing his rose quartz, 
a man who does not mind clearing his energy with his obsidian, a man who uses his terpene before he goes to sleep at night, a man who's okay with being combined and interlocked with earth, the universe, and those healing crystals. I'm looking for me a crystal man, coined it. Crystal man. So I don't know if I want, I want someone I'm loved right now, but it just, just in the, in the idea of the ideal mate, right? I don't know if they have to have crystals, but the concept behind why we use the crystals, right? The practices mm-hmm. is that we're trying to be intentional with our lives. We're trying to be intentional with our words and what we say, what type of investments we do with our energy. That's the same concept to me. So if I were to, was to align with the crystal man. <laughs> I would say you don't even have to wear the crystals. You don't have to even practice with the sage or practice any of it because let's just get into sage, girl. You you opened a whole nother door. Hold on. Let's let's step through it. Sage, (laughs) have you ever walked past a man and it's just instantly it hits you that clean, crisp smell? It doesn't smell dirty laundry in his mom's basement. It smells like fresh air, clean linens and like a hint of herb and not marijuana, not marijuana. I want our women to stop. If the man smell like a OZ, get him out, okay? He cannot be walking into no fancy restaurant smelling tight like 10 cans of bounce that ass plus 30 blunts. I'm tired of sitting down to eat at Ruth Chris and smelling that loud pack three tables away. Okay, interesting. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever smelled a man like that, but I will say that it has been a few men who have entered my life or have been across my life, my world. I, well, I have some who, who have this thing, but I haven't even, you know, dated them or met with them or whatever. This maybe said, hello, how are you? But they have something, their aura, right, is mm-hmm. so delightful, so powerful that it's just, it can transform your day. And what I mean by that is some people have an aura around them where you could just feel who they are without even experiencing them because you know how like so, like when I was younger it used to be this thing about boy bands like oh Omarion is cute or Bob yes like, I, and I never was old. yes I would never was old somebody was cute I honestly didn't get my first celebrity crush until I got older and maybe Maxwell but I didn't even experience that until I got older either but that aura of somebody who just feels safety, that doesn't come with just somebody looking cute or even a walk or money. It's something about that person's spirit. They've been cultivating their spirit and that's where I feel, oh, that's me. Everyone who's attractive isn't somebody who snaps me in. I totally get what you're saying. And you have experienced the love and light of that because I've experienced the chaos of that. I used to date this guy and he was an MC fighter. He used to box, no glove. Um, he, unfortunately, he killed a man. Mm-hmm. He did kill him and had to go to prison. He was up in prison for four years until his case was cleared. He was released with no charges, no felonies because a lot of people, and I'm going to say this again, are narcissistic. I knew he was narcissistic when we were dating. That's why I cut the relationship off. Now, when I did end the relationship with him, it unfortunately happened about three months before that particular fight where he did murder. Now, I ended the relationship with him and he called my phone, text my phone, called my phone, text my phone, popped up at my mama crib. Ooh. I was like, I don't even live with my mama. So get away from my mama front door before my daddy put them bullets in you. Mm. He was obsessed with me. 
to the point where I felt bad when I was reading the newspaper the next couple of months and I'd seen his name and I was, what's going on? My sister, she called me. She was, do you know so-and-so in, in jail? I was he in jail. What he did? They was, he killed a man. I was like, he wouldn't kill nobody. Narcissists will take it there. If you break up with a narcissist, you have to be aware that you are no longer connected to what they do. If they, you break up with a narcissist, they want to call you from jail, tell them no. You break up with a narcissist, you have kids with them, they want to take all y'all out to eat and you know it's just a ploy to get in your pants, tell them no. Never keep anyone from their kids, but understand you don't have to be involved in that situation. You come pick up your kids if you want to come pick up your kids. You don't have to have me there. And I know it's boring sitting at home with your kids out. They having a good time. Tell them take Facebook pictures. Make sure you got a designated phone, baby. The one that love the phone. Make them take Facebook pictures. And enjoy that time with your kids alone because you cannot feed any energy into a narcissist because they need it as a supply. And once that supply is gone, they're either a healthy person or an unhealthy person. If they're a healthy person, they'll respect your boundary. A lot of us need to understand that we require boundaries just like everything else. When you go to the carnival, it's boundaries. There's only 10 people on the ride at a time. You might be a 10-person person. You only have 10 people minding your business at a time. The rest of them got to go because a narcissist is 30 people all at once. So this, this concept of narcissism and all this. It, I don't know if it's it's probably been here for a long time, but people are more exposed to it. People are talking about it a lot. Do you feel in some cases people are just throwing this term out because they hear it all the time and then they have some interaction with their partner or potential partner or their lover or whatever? And they just want to say they're a narcissist? Or do you feel a lot of people just have these traits? And the reason why I pose this question is because it's all over the place, right? They are experiencing that type of behavior. And I also want us to analyze why they come across the board so much if this is a, a true state for so many. And I don't want to knock it. I'm not I'm not bringing this question to knock people's experience with it. But I'm just... I understand I'm 100% what you're asking. Is it just a linguistic word? Are we just using it as and a language to say, oh, they're very controlling. They must be narcissists. Oh, yeah. they're very emotionally unadapted. They must be narcissists. Oh, they're very standoffish. They must be narcissists. None of those traits make you a narcissist. All of those traits combined make you a narcissist. And you can be a narcissist woman or a narcissist male. Honestly, a narcissism is a mental illness. I just going to say it. It's a mental illness. And there's one thing, one thing, and excuse me if I cuss, but there's one thing that will help you spot the trait of a narcissist. Want me to tell you what it is? A dirty house. Interesting. So everyone who has a dirty house? Everyone who has a filthy house and all three of those traits? Emotionally unavailable, controlling, standoffish, and a dirty house. That's a narcissist, baby. That's a red flag. That's a narcissist. Move on. So move this would be a lot of people. Okay, so where do you get your data from? This personal experience or this no, is like the, um diagnosis of narcissism as a mental illness just came about in 2016 when the CDC 
the Mental Institute all recognized narcissism as a mental illness. It was in 2018, 2019, 2016, 2016. Between 2016 and 2019, they recognized it as a mental illness. So it's been recent. And since it's come out, there's been different things that people have probably never noticed because it's never been said that it needs to be medicated, but it does need to be heavily sedated and medicated and regulated. And a lot of what narcissists people look for and why there's so many of them scattered throughout the whole world is because they just simply think that a human being can regulate their narcissistic behavior when it's not true. They actually need to go to things like occupational therapy, conversational therapy, you know, spiritual healing therapy. They need those crystals. They need that true healing because they struggle internally with a disorder that is not widely publicized, but it gaining so much traction and it's gaining so much junction and so much inter intervenience from people because people like Megan the Stallion are saying people, Tory Lanez is a narcissist, Brent Fiaz is putting out billions of songs, Drake saying he's a narcissist, people like P. Diddy, they've always said P. Diddy was a narcissist and it's certain certain wrong go past just being a natural leader and having, you know, that natural ability to control and step into, well, is your house dirty? If you don't have someone coming in to clean two times a month, are you showing narcissistic behavior? So this is the behavior. So, and that's, and that's where it gets tricky because people, you know how like people go online and they get the, they have a symptom and then Mm -hmm. all these things come up and say, oh, this is what's going on with you. And so some people can translate the fact that they see one type of behavior or they have a behavior and say, I'm automatically a narcissist. So the best call of action, I guess, would be you get this diagnosed by a psychiatrist or therapist or whatever, and they tell you that you're a narcissist. But seems like the world is telling everybody else <laughs> that they're a narcissist. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, see, the, like I said, the term narcissist, just the human race in general, we're able to put words and take them and put them in places where they belong, but we're not certified to do so. What it is, is actually antisocial behavior. So when you have a collective issue with antisocial behavior, then you can develop a diagnosis of narcissism. So if you've been diagnosed with some type of antisocial disorder, more than likely you also suffer from narcissism. That includes BPD, which is borderline personality disorder, BP, which is bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, which is another disorder, depression or clinical depression. And those issues can lead you to become a narcissist. It's more, I know back when I was mad young, the thing that they were coining it as, and it's just changed over the last 20 years. So before it was narcissism, it was sociopath. Mm. And so now, because so many people have gone with it undiagnosed and so many people have gotten to travel and spread and it's genetic in a certain type of way, you can teach your child to have that same type of behavior. So many people have gone with it unregulated instead of being a sociopath, you're now a narcissist. Mm. So it seems like we just have the desire to put labels on it so that we all can understand it and identify it and then Mm -hmm. process through these type of experiences with people. And it just takes me back to the fact that we as humans probably exhibit a lot of these things. And the reasons why people have these type of behaviors stems 
back to maybe their childhood, their experiences, their environments. And to help people through these types of situations or through these types of labels can be difficult because we are all dealing with our own thing, you know? Um, totally. And I find that maybe you're not labeled as a narcissist, but you probably have something. Everyone has something that can be detrimental to their own growth, you know? True. Just as simple as people saying, oh, well, I know you have ADD or I know you have ADHD, which is attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Those things really hurt people when you insult them about it. When you're walking and you're you're simply minding your business, if someone from your school says, oh, do you still have ADD? You're just shocked. You know, it's a shocking moment to realize that people don't always realize the good about you. Sometimes they only see the bad about you and they only they only remember the bad about you. And that's unfortunate, but we are human beings. And like you said, our natural instinct is to label things. Yeah. And I think if I could create the world that I would want to create, I don't know if the world actually wants peace, but if I could create a peaceful world, I think that's one of the things we need to pay attention to is one, people may have this label that we create for them, but there is something that we all can contribute to. One, that love that we can start to have for ourselves. And then that's the way that we look at other people. We kind of have their mercy or their grace and even understanding. And the other aspect is what we titled today was just how do you learn to love people with these type of traits and how do you train yourself to realize that sometimes people, it's not, I don't feel like people come out and say, I want to be a narcissist mm-hmm. or I want to be evil or I want to hate, you know? I don't think that these are just, you just wake up and you're born these ways. I think it's a contribution that we all have as a people, the things, the way that we define people, the way that we, we build culture, the way that we build these labels, the way we build society and, and what we compare ourselves to. Like We all have an active role in creating the world that we have. Also, have the active role to dismantle some of the things that we've created that don't serve us. Are you following? Totally, totally. I get that. And I'll give you just a couple of helpful tips that I found after having a relationship with a narcissist that I feel like benefited him and I. One thing is boundaries. Boundaries are applied and boundaries and standards need to be set and recognized. Dealing with someone who has a personality disorder, who has a neurological disorder, or who has any type of disorder, there are boundaries that you need to set. One of the main things that's important also is caring. Now, a lot of people may say, well, I cared for them for four or five months. Sometimes it takes longer. You know, when you're in a relationship and you see yourself being with this person, this person is your mate and you accept all their faults, they accept all your faults. The next thing you need to do is set boundaries for you and them. One of the biggest boundaries that I have found to be helpful is a cleanliness standard. There is no reason to walk into anyone's home and smell their funk from the previous month. There's no reason for that. That is not okay for you. That is not okay for them. That is not okay for the children. That is something that needs to be addressed and something that that person 
needs to take upon themselves to hold themselves accountable for. Accountability is another thing that is very important, but that comes along with caring. When you care for someone, you have to learn to let them be accountable for their actions. There is no action without reaction. So they need to be taught accountability. The third thing that I think is another thing that is very, very important is rewards. And I know it may seem crazy. Oh, how can you reward an adult? Um, I don't know no grown person that don't like a Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> I don't like one. <laughs> hey, I want to do it. Give me something. Like... <laughs> 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 Why did you put it right there? Like, <laughs> what? Give me something different. Okay, what about Erica Badu concert? Tickets to okay. an Erica Badu concert. That was an easy one for you. That yeah, okay, fine. But I mean, no. What would I really want? I would want a. I don't even know. Well, a guess- movie night in a clean house is a great reward. Yes, yes. That and, and that's another way to look at it. Is is just the experience. Sometimes you don't have to pay for something, but the mm-hmm. experience that you can create for something can be the reward. If I can just, if I can, if I can make sure that I'm that I'm taking care of myself enough that I, when I when I deal with my friends or I interact with my friends, that it's not a trauma dump. That's that's a hundred percent. You know, and you have to after so long, after so, so many boundaries that you set. Now, these have to be reasonable boundaries. You can't expect a person who has infantile thinking to immediately change and be different. Give it some time. A lot of people say, oh, I've been with them for four months and nothing changed. Four months is not long enough. Four months is not even long enough to know if you and that person's appreciate each other's space. You know, so just give it time respectfully. And those are my three things that are the most important to dealing with any type of relationship, but especially a relationship where a person has a disorder or border issues. I think those are really helpful tips. And I think what I love about these tips is that we're moving in the direction of saying it is possible to experience someone who's narcissistic and love them through it. But love is something that we learned. I also want to take note that the boundaries is a, is a good point because maybe your boundaries is that you cannot deal with somebody who is like that. You know, maybe you know that about yourself. You don't have the bandwidth to do so. I think that's something to be mindful of as well, because it's difficult to experience people who are just different difficult. That is, that's draining. And if you want to live your life and you are easily impacted by that, it might not be your ministry, <laughs> right? Like that might totally not be what I need in my life. And so that's an important aspect of learning to love when it comes to yourself is if I continue to try to love these type of people, I'm now depleted. Like I don't have enough of me to give. And totally. So I totally. Am- that is where I mean rewards. People overlook the those rewards but i'm telling you get you some lukewarm water some lavender epsom salt a drop of honey a little sprinkle of some coffee grounds and some oranges cut them up cut them up into three-fourths plop them babies in that water with some cherries let that simmer down real quick and hop your butt in there for 10 minutes run you some steaming hot water in there on top of that lukewarm water and just watch yourself relax yeah yeah it is a balance. And I think, like, is it possible to work with people, even work with people, be friends with them, love them through their, I guess, what do you call them? Mishaps? I don't know what the word is. It totally is. I'll be honest. The reason our, my relationship
relationship with the narcissist, this one ended and the one who did end up committing homicide. The reason the, the relationship ended with the one who committed homicide, he simply was too aggressive. Like I said, he was popping up at my mama crib, blowing my phone up. He threw my phone out the window one time. I was like, I'm not there. I was at a process where I was on the beginning of my spiritual journey. And that was something to really face during the beginning of a spiritual journey is a narcissist. It's something that you come to commit with where you can't match that energy. So you have to bow down. You have to let yourself out. With the second narcissistic relationship, we just both end up losing matriarchs in our family. He lost his mother. I lost my grandmother who had raised me or helped helped raise me along with my two parents. She had lived in the house with us ever since I was 13. My grandma had lived in the same bedroom as me. I lost her. He lost his mother. And we just, we became different people after that. So that relationship ended. So there are things that naturally cause relationships to end. And just because a person is a narcissist or shows narcissistic behavior doesn't mean you have to end the relationship with them. It just means find your own comfort, find your own healing and see if the relationship can continue. Yeah. So what are the most difficult parts of having these type of relationships and what are the most rewarding for you when you're doing? I think my most rewarding part is I'm a nurturer. I like to Mm -hmm. nurture people. And also I do tarot card readings. So when my tarot card readings were showing positive growth and were showing expansion and abundance, they had me thinking (laughs) we was going to have a child together, you know, and it took me a while to really realize that's not where it was. It was all centered towards me and the abundance and the growth and the wisdom that I was seeking was coming to me because it wasn't coming from another person. It was coming from me to myself as a karma cycle. I learned in that relationship and I learned that what I was looking for wasn't necessarily to be independent and have somebody else. It was to be independent on my own. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were able to be independent on your own through the relationship is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I like that. I was reading something earlier today and it was referring to codependency friendships. I like to merge friendships and relationships together. I feel like you should be friends with the person that you love, but everybody has a different mindset. But But in the post, it spoke about how you really can end up investing codependency into your friendships when you don't allow them to come up with solutions for themselves. Mm -hmm. You're always giving them solutions. And then if they are no longer in the position to need your help, then you feel, you know, sad about it or anything like that. And it reminded me of that with that independency, because if I was to guess, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been in a relationship with a narcissist. I don't know if I have no idea. I just, I feel like people come in all different types of forms and some of them are, have a label, especially because their behaviors are just weird, but they've all just been tagged weird for me. <laughs> tagged either mm-hmm. weird or draining. That's how I kind of put anybody with something that's like a little abnormal than how I would perceive balance interaction. But one thing that kind of stuck out with that was that in friendships, for example, it could feel like it's is leaned further to the right than it is to the left or whatever when you are being a solution-based friend. And that could that could find its way in these type of relationships that you're defining because you do have to be a solution for the narcissist in a lot of ways. But I think a healthy boundary is being able to help them find the space to grow with your love. Mm-hmm. The fact that someone is able to love me while I'm acting in this way is something that I need to start to make my way through. I don't know if that's a, even 
an, an option? Do they have the opportunity to see those type of things? Or is it because of the disease, they just won't ever get to that point where they ever grow? No, they grow. They grow. Yeah, they grow. They definitely grow. So what type of growth? Do you have examples of like the type of growth that you've seen in your relationship? Girl, the examples are yeah. a lot. There are a lot of examples. We Give finally got to the point where we could have dinner at a restaurant without both of us leaving angry about something that one or the other said. We finally got our hygiene under control to where there wasn't a pack of cigarette smell lingering in the air after laying down in the sheets together. We finally got to the point where manicures and pedicures were done together as a couple. We'd reached some nice points. It was just after my grandmother passing away, I was I was emotionally unavailable. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you reached those points, what were some of the contributing factors to that? Did you feel like you had to do certain things in order for that to, to work? Or do you have examples of what they did to shift their behavior. For example, I know in, in some of my experience with dealing with weird behaviors, I mm-hmm. had to be very patient and mm-hmm. allow them to just do what they did instead of exciting it with my responses that I needed to say. And sometimes my responses become can come off analytical in a, a relationship where people don't really receive that well. And I can understand mm-hmm. that for sure. But I noticed that I just had to be a listener and I had to not. No, I, I'm the same way. I noticed that I had to let my nurturing take control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to let my nurturing behavior take control. And what do you think they did to contribute to that success? They were okay. the listener in that situation. They were the listener. Okay. They definitely became a person who listened. Mm-hmm. This is fun. It was very interesting because I think in my in my experience, it's a lot of conversation around dealing with narcissistic behavior. And I don't know if there are many people who are willing to work through that and learn how to love. And I think this is one of the primary examples of learning how to love. But I I think we should probably like pick up and do some other conversations on learning to love and different aspects of life. Totally. I'm feeling like, this vibe. Yeah. I'm pr- like practicing to learn. I think that's where we're missing. We, it's really not a lot of classes on this. Everybody's just trying to figure out life and we're not really trying to teach ourselves how to learn. And I think through the labels and through psychology, through therapy lessons, this is how we're learning to love. And then there's also other steps to that when it comes to self-learning. You know, we, we self-learn other things. I mean, everyone had to start somewhere and then they created these theses and created these courses for everyone to learn. Some one one person was, hey, I want to figure this out. I want to mm-hmm. get the answer to that. And I feel like that's what we need. That's what I like to encourage, especially with the term self-tivity, is that there's some behaviors and some actions that you can do yourself that you may not absolutely need someone to tell you the answers to. Because sometimes we have the answers ourselves. We just ignore them. Sometimes we get the answers from community. That's why I love to have these conversations with people, because then we learn something from their experience, from their environment that we can take because we didn't have the same experience and environment. Now we're exposed to a new way of thinking, perspective shifting. But learning those basic principles of having the right questions or even having a thought and then counteracting that thought with something different, just a challenge in a game. We play games. You know, we grow up playing games. We grow up being creative. We need to grow up and be creative and make life a game in a way that we all can win, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, Your positive energy is speaking so well. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
is. It truly is. Well, I appreciate you so much. I I literally just love being around you. Love your your energy and talking to you. you make me laugh, and I can't wait to create more work with you. Um, Definitely. So for those who are listening, we are gonna have a show together, and I'm so excited. <laughs> We we have our name. I'm not sure if we should say it it yet, but I will add that in the in the the description of this podcast episode. So by the time that you guys get to that link that we have, we'll have our first episode, and we are going to be reviewing Earth, guys. We're going to be talking about everything, electronics, genetically modified foods fashion twitter the metaverse we're going to dive (laughs) deep into enlightenment i'm so excited about this because this is an opportunity to use all the things that i love going to just talk about life and but analytically and research these things just look at it in a deeper lens than we might do on a daily basis because we're kind of just scrolling scrolling and just right everybody should just go ahead and put your hiking boots on go ahead and get your solar panels ready because (laughs) we are entering the 5d that fifth dimensional we are getting in there yeah it's gonna be so much fun totally Carmen is hilarious the conversation is gonna be so funny and this is going and honestly low-key everyone this is a therapeutic session for me because I I use comedy and thinking as my therapy sessions internally and so I told Harmony that I'm using her for her comedy (laughs) for her comedic spirit and and she's a wealthy and y'all get to follow along and that's the part about y'all coming and subscribing and becoming just a part Part of this internal earth class, you know, it's just earth yeah. class. Earth class. We're gonna close the show out so we can continue our meeting. <laughs> Positive energy, peace, flow, and enlightenment to everybody. I'm pretty sure my socials will be tagged. So if you would like to schedule a tarot card reading, or if you would just like to talk with me and have a impromptu business discussion, we can definitely bring out the hidden gems in your life and help you meet the crystal man that you're looking for. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I definitely will put that information in the the description, guys. And I'll probably announce, you know, what we come up with. Or we could do like... um. Girl, what if we did that? Was it like a raffle where they put in like ideas that would maybe if y'all comment in the comment section, <laughs> what do you think our new domain should be named? Comment in the actually, comment section. Yeah, so here's some of the examples. I like reviewing Earth or we review Earth or um, what did we just say earlier? What was the third? I like Earth Class and Earth Flash. Earth Flash. I really like Earth Flash Flash. and Earth Flash. So those are our four options. We have review Earth, reviewing on Earth, Earth Flash. And Earth Class. Earth Class. So hopefully by next week. I think we should definitely launch the beginning of May. Totally. And... We're exposed. I'm exposing this on this episode because I want us to stay consistent and I want us to be on it and not lose sight of it. So that's why I'm putting it out there here. Totally. Declare for consistency. Yes. Yes, for sure. (laughs) And she's very consistent, way better than me. So we're definitely, she's going to have help me learn to love consistency. (laughs) 
only reason I learned to love consistency is from baking. Girl, my grandma used to have me baking pineapple upside down cakes, German chocolate cake, red velvet cakes, lemon drop cake, pound cake, seven up cake, pecan pie, walnut pie, apple pie, blueberry pie. Well, I'm consistent now. I'm consistent. Now, that is the truth. Oh, that Alabama girl. <laughs> <laughs> that just felt so Alabama. East cobbler, apple cobbler, pear cobbler, jelly cake. Now, you know you from Alabama, the South. Y'all. You done had a jelly cake. Raise your hands in the comments if you done had a jelly cake. You from the South with an ill. Jelly cake, good. Don't do that. Mm-mm. Jelly I'm, cake, I'm good. Not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of cake. It tastes like butter and jelly and heavy. Oh, mm-mm. Nope. It's so good. Oh, girl, put on 10 pounds in a minute. See, that's what I'm not trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for that. <laughs> but everyone, thank you so much for investing your time with us today. We hope that you will continue with us on our journey outside of the Self-Tivity Podcast. I will still have Harmon come on here with some shows for the Self-Tivity Podcast once we are consistent with our own show. Um, until next time, hold on to you as much as you can. Hold on to your health, your being, and your mind.